Right now, I'm so pleased to welcome the deviant minds behind Sewebity. Did I say that right? It's uh, yes, yeah, Sewebity. I got a kid who's really big into into uh, Looney Tunes right now at age six. Okay. So I'm working on my Elmer Fudd while I'm working on this. Uh, Sewebity is a full service management, publishing, and ad agency company for social social media stars, influencers, and podcasters. They've launched a, a 2019 pilot program for influencers, podcasters, and social media stars. And it's strange. I have a not the hugest. Uh, social media following in the world you know yeah. over over 700k but not the hugest uh, and people have been telling me have you heard about this group have you heard about what celebrity is doing and i'm like oh are they like my managers from la they'll take 10 percent and do nothing and tell me how bad they feel about it but no uh you guys have gotten a lot of great acclaim and people we know here in the building are also big fans so it's a pleasure to welcome uh from celebrity Scott McKenzie, the CEO, Thank Vanessa you. Parra, who is the president, and Alastair Snow, who is one of the talent artists and influencers. It's great to have you all here. Thank you. Thanks for having Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's, that's amazing. Thank Where you. Where do you want to start? Well, let's start with what was the need? Why did Sewebwood, and it's fun having this conversation after, uh, you know, publicist Christmas Day, by the way, of the Oscars, but what was the void in the culture? What was the need for this organization to begin? Uh, in my personal opinion, two things. Um, well, I'm from the music industry, so you know, you know, I grew up with the Fugees. Lauren Hill and White Club brought me into business, and then later I worked with other talents like Kid Cudi, Wale, Pharrell, many other people. So the point is, starting from the the music industry side, you know, the artists aren't getting compensated enough from these streams. You don't say, really? Yeah, no. <laughs> what so, a shock! And this then, is why everyone, this is why everyone's on tour till they're ninety now. Definitely, and we want to change that. And then podcasters, I feel like um looking at that Spotify deal with Gimlet, uh. I see what they're trying to do there because you don't have to pay podcasters, but you have to pay artists. But mm. we could get more podcasters to come technically for free, mm -hmm. and we could, then we could keep most of that um, subscription money. So I think so. What we want to do is we want to give advertisers a cheaper rate. We want to charge them one cent per play, and then for the um, talent, they get one cent per play as well. But of course, as we get more ads, then we we accumulate our income from that. And our goal is to do at least two ads per podcast. If you're a uh, um, a company that can't afford to do YouTube or Google AdSense, what is it to be like, well, $1 gets me 100 plays, 100 listens mm -hmm. from the beginning and the middle of the podcast, at least at the bare minimum, and with Instagram and Twitter. And all whatever that talent wants to customize, we want to work with them and make it happen. I mean, it sounds it sounds great. It's interesting for me doing a show at SiriusXM because usually once or twice a week, someone will come up to me and say, hey, I really want to do your podcast, or I'd love to get my client on your podcast. And I, I've never done a podcast. I've been asked to do a lot. I'm going to hopefully do a couple this year because I love podcasts. But yeah, at this point, you know, old school radio, and this is satellite, so it's not even old school. It seems that way. No. But I'm always mistaken for being a podcast host, and it seems like the way we consume creative content has made it easier for consumers to just consider podcasts and radio and streaming news just all one and the same. All one and the same. And and it's inexpensive. You got kids doing it on their phone. They're literally taking their um, AirPods, put one, one in your ear, one in my ear. Mm -hmm. Let's do an interview right now through the phone. So it's very inexpensive. You know, I mean, it's, not, it's only a phone bill. At this point. So I think the future, I think the future in general, though, everybody's going to be their own media company. I think if I'm Budweiser, why would I want to allocate, what, $10 million to Bud, uh, Super Bowl or something when I could just say, look, we got $10,000. Let's give that to 500,000 people, pay them $50 each or something like that. I think in the next 10 years, TMZ, all these things won't necessarily matter as much. And you're going to be more important because your friends want to hear your thoughts on the next shoes, on the next show or whatever. And then 
I'm going to more take your opinion than New York Times. Or so you're talking like about the democratization of listener content. In yeah. other words, of just like it's a way of getting big money out of it. And with the internet, we always were told we'd finally have a level playing field where artists and creative people could somehow get their voices heard. Obviously, yeah. though, it's like free speech, yeah. right? The ones with the most money have the most speech. But Vanessa, what was it that brought you into the web of celebrity? Yeah, well, I I'm getting like... better at saying that. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. We get it all the time. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like belief in Scott's core values and just sort of kind of the way that there's so much corporate greed just in the world, the way that uh, corp corporations um, work. Mm -hmm. I just feel like, you know, why not give the creatives that the percentage that they own and like you said you know sometimes it's like you'll hire someone for nothing it's like 10% what am I giving you right and I come from a creative background as well so it's how to how do we monetize that we're putting all this content online all this content just out in the world for free and a lot of the times although people have this massive following they're not like, reaping the benefits yeah that's right so. Instagram is and yeah. or whoever yeah. yeah, but sometimes it's in surreptitious ways, and sometimes it's people who are already celebrities who are yeah. getting paid to run ads that aren't actually ads, which kind of makes me feel weird as a consumer. Like, I'd like to know when I go to a concert, am I seeing a singer or someone lip sync? If I look at a picture, I want to know am I seeing a picture or is an ad for something? Um, but, you know, it, it's <clears> because you've talked about this, that there's we're just going to be seeing a rise in short-form podcasts more and more on smart speakers, traditional podcasting. From the olden days, you know, mm. 10 years ago, uh, that's longer programs because traditionally listeners didn't like fumbling around in their phones every few minutes to pick the next episode. But mm -hmm. smart speakers are going to change the whole game by allowing people to do much shorter content and become part of a larger listening experience, which I guess is like old fashioned radio originally. I never heard of smart speakers. Oh, like, were well, you talking about like, like Sono? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, my fault. No, not at, all. not at all. Okay. Um, it seems like short form, short form podcasting is, is just going to only be growing more and more. Oh, I agree. I agree. Long, you know, I know people like Joe Rogan and them do like three hours plus, but we was just talking to a friend yesterday who wants to do, well, I don't want to tell his idea. But the point is, yeah, he wants to do like five minute things. Um, so, yeah, they want to keep it short and small and to the point. Mm. I, I listen to all types of podcasts just to get a perspective on what's working and what's not working for everybody i don't care what culture it is and um it all works at the end of the day i'm just saying like you can have ten thousand, you got 500 fans and that's good enough to get you by and if you make products around that plus you got your ads and stuff we just want to help you we want to be a full service agency to help you monetize that in any way shape or form it don't matter what the culture is so some people aren't aware what do you guys take as a percentage from your artists well, we let them customize their own deals and work with them. Like we're working with a uh, Instagram lady named Alexa Layden, mm -hmm. and she she wanted. Well, we got her situation with Mastercard, right? She's a comedian and she's like sexy, but one of the booty models. Right. The point is, um, she we we said, um, you know those old Mastercard commercials with the um uh, a card five dollars this whatever everything right. else is priceless i said remake that but in a, a black form a comedy black form and then she did it and um she got 20 cent per play on instagram so you customize it the way you want to do it like her platform is more instagram it's not soundcloud or whatever mm -hmm. i'm just trying to help say what works for you and then how do we get advertisers to see um like a cardi b just was on instagram talking about how she always has to go take a poop and and her, her butt hurts when she drinks regular milk so now she's drinking lactate and i was like but that's who she really is. And I think we should we should live in a world where we allow people to be who they are 
as they're promoting things that they would use anyway, whatever lotion you use or whatever. Imagine you're in the shower like DJ Khaled and he used that cocoa butter. And you might use cocoa butter too and say, well, I deserve a check from this too. <laughs> Dove soap, I don't know, Ajax as you wash your dishes. I'm, all those are brands too that how do they get into the culture without being, being forced? And how do the brands get in touch with the artists? Well, through us. Right on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me turn it over to Alistair. Um, Alistair, as one of the talent and artists and influencers, how did you come to be uh, associated with Celebrity? Well, I was kind of uh, associated with Scott always um, early on. He kind of brought me, I was kind of, like, I was kind of a mystery for a while because we would go to like um, a lot of meetings. We would make a lot of rounds and I would just be in the room and they would ask like, what is it? You know, like, what's his role right there? And he would say, I'm a consigliere. Oh, yes, <laughs> yes. So it was really interesting for a while. And then, uh, but really what that was, was basically like tripping with his feet in a way yeah. that he was allowing me to see things that in the future I just kind of avoided situations business wise anything just being in various boardrooms back in this was like 2011 like Ciroc Russell Simmons office yeah yeah oh Def Jam uh, look when I met this kid on Twitter he was teaching school while in school the teachers allowed him to teach world history while he was in high school yeah that's how we kind of met each other he reached out because uh, I had come from traveling from being overseas so my career like my grades couldn't weren't able to be transferred in a weird way so they add they, like there was a meeting with my parents and stuff like how can we place this kid in a grade like where do we put him the grades couldn't like at the time so um we made a agreement me and this one teacher being that I wasn't very social at the time or anything like that he was like you know what like I see what you're doing every day you don't like make new friends or anything you're a new student um I'm just gonna let you like these people seem to be curious about you and respect you so I'm gonna let you teach this stuff and yeah, it was really interesting because the books I was reading, like at lunchtime, I wouldn't go to the lunchroom. I would sit in his room and read. He'd be like, what are you reading? And one day he was like, wow, I did my like thesis on this. Like, how would you feel like speaking to the other kids? I'm like, man, I haven't had a conversation with most of these people. So that would be cool. Was public speaking more comfortable for you than one-on-one socialization? Absolutely, actually, yeah, in too. a way, because uh, attention, like... Uh, you know, if one person pays attention, it's harder for, like, another person to just, like, be the one in the room that's, like, I don't know, kind of, like, disruptive or anything. It was kind of all a mutual respect. And from there, you know, it was interesting. And, you know, we met because someone wrote an article. I don't remember at this point. On uh, me or you? On me because uh, I was, yeah, I I, in order for me to pass, the deal was, like, I didn't have to go to classes. I just had to teach my peers. And they <laughs> offered me my diploma under those terms. It was interesting, very interesting. Wow. I heard about him. I hit him up on Twitter. Like, when you come to New York, we got a link. Yeah. Because I, I want to get you in the rooms. I think, like like I said, these big dogs need to be around kids like him, mm-hmm. especially for what he's doing. And then how can he inspire them? And he's worked behind a lot of brands and New York sanitation. Like, yeah. he did, did consulting. One of my Bible. favorite brands, yeah. <laughs> well, 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 yeah, that's not a brand. But. Well, let me ask you about yeah. financial literacy because I know Sorry. that's a big thing that, that you work on. And um, I was I was researching, researching this. According to a PricewaterhouseCoopers survey of 5,500 millennials, all born between the early 1980s and the mid-1990s, only 24% of respondents demonstrated adequate financial knowledge. Um, and this is by design, I think. It's very in the interest of older people and corporations for young people to be as financially illiterate as possible. It's easier to rip you off that way. 88% of millennials have a bank account. 51% have a retirement account. 
55% of millennials carry significant student loans, 35% have unpaid medical bills, and nearly 30% of millennials have an overdrawn account, while 22% of millennials took loans or hardship withdrawals from their accounts in the past year. So clearly, there's a need out there uh, for millennials to become more financially literate. Why was that, Vanessa, important to you and everybody else at the group? Yeah, I mean, I feel like growing up, like in, even in school, you don't get taught all of those things. I remember in one of my classes, one of my teachers actually had to go against the curriculum and secretly teach us about stocks and secretly teach us how to open a bank account and how to balance a budget sheet and all of these things. And she literally had to do it in secrecy because when she proposed it to the board, it just wasn't a part of the curriculum. They're like, we don't have time for it. We don't have the space for it. They have to learn, you know, I don't know, this and that theorem and all these things. But yeah, growing up, I feel like um, my parents also didn't speak to me about these sort of things. Granted, they're also from a different country. Um, but just, And for a lot of us, it's just work really hard, save your money, don't yeah. buy crap. And that's the extent of financial yeah. training. That's we all our family. That's it. And I yeah. feel like we literally didn't learn it until a couple of years ago, just through like our own research. And I feel like you know, not not to give money all the power in the world because it's not that, but it does facilitate helping others. Mm -hmm. So if you do know how to, you know, monetize your money, how to do budgets, how to just drive your money, it just helps out in so many more ways than it is to. Go ahead. Well, I, I want to speak on something real quick. Please. So I started caring about money when um, I'm 33. So mm -hmm. at 27. Long story short, had a house, ten, ten bath, ten, ten bedrooms, all that stuff. I lost it because um, I missed the land tax this one year, mm -hmm. and I'm like, well, technically I don't own the house if I miss taxes one year. And they said, so long story short, my friend was teaching me about allodial titles, allodial titles when you own the land, and just other stuff that you, that you don't know because school and life and even in business people aren't teaching you. Like like there's a term in business. This is why artists can't get the money from streaming services and blah, 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 is because there's a term called all media rights, right? Mm -hmm. All media rights yep. means I own everything, mm -hmm. including what's not invented yet, blah, blah, blah. So, you know, I, like, I'll be in these rooms and I'm just like, you know, like, like what, why aren't you, why aren't, you gotta remember, these are kids, especially in hip hop, these are kids from the hood, that just like me, that don't know no better. Why aren't we teaching them that? You know, but that's the game. It's like, I, I learned like knowledge is not power, advanced knowledge is power. And then, Okay, so how do we get that advanced knowledge? Because I had to lose it all to just take time to learn this stuff. So I'm trying to make them not go through the same things I went through, the Fuji's went through, uh, TLC, sure. many artists and talents go through. Like I worked at Reebok, not knowing when I signed a contract with them, I didn't even know the term intellectual property, IP. But they said IP, you know what I'm saying? But mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm just signing this stuff away. And then I'm making them all this stuff. Well, do you like, think it damn. is that in, very, in many cases young people don't bother to think they need to learn about financial literacy until they have a big chunk of change? I mean, for so many people, it's just check to check, especially with a student loan culture. It's check to check, uh, you know, try to just medicine and food and rent um, until your 30s for many for many people. I just think we don't know. We just don't. We, like, like, you know, this information is not out. Like, like Rolex is a non-for-profit. You know, people right. don't know that IKEA is a non-for-profit. The NFL is a non-for-profit. How do you do that if you create a holding company and that holding company is the, it's a whole thing. But <laughs> but I learned this, I, I so as we all took time to learn this, 
I was like, yeah, man, this is all a game. And you just got to learn how to play it well. At the end of the day, nobody needs school. A caterpillar doesn't need to read a manual to learn how to be a butterfly. And neither do you. So understand the term university comes from the studies of the universe. And, and just, just you, you got, you're born with everything. That's what I'm trying to tell everybody we work with. You're yeah, born yeah. with everything already. Don't go against your heart, your mind. You know, the Lord, whoever you believe in, bless you with everything. Just let us help you monetize it, manage it, and give you ownership, even ownership. And we could own things together and create the version of Black Wall Street, but with all cultures, because I support right. all cultures. So let's work all together. You know, it's interesting. I, I was doing some research on what millennials think they know about about money uh, versus what they actually know. Uh, 74% agreed with the statement, I am good at dealing with day-to-day -day financial matters such as checking accounts, credit and debit cards, and tracking expenses. Nearly 70% of millennials rated themselves as having high financial knowledge. 75% of male millennials rank themselves highly knowledgeable. And 21% said they were very satisfied with their current financial situation. One out of five millennials that's better okay. than i would have expected okay. yeah. what they actually know is and this is not singling out millennials this is young people of every generation who are there waiting to get to take advantage of to those with more knowledge one out of five financial literacy questions um out of five financial literacy questions only eight percent of millennials answered all correctly only 24 percent answered three of five questions correctly indicating basic financial literacy and only 37% of college-educated millennials correctly answered the most basic financial literacy questions. It sort of seems like the entire economy in that it's just stacked against us, and it's always been a rigged deck. And generally, it's marginalized people and young people who have the least amount of tools to go out there and make their way. And very often, artists are both marginalized and young people. Yeah. We don't know that we don't know. Um, <laughs> exactly. No, we don't, we don't. And... um. That's why I like young men like him and me and Vanessa building, because our family come from the same struggles as my family. We're, we're Jamaican, they're Mexican, and his family's um, African and French, right? Yes. Yep. Wow. You know, it's like, you know, our, our, our family's just doing the best they can, you know, when they came out here. And it's like, it's our goal to, like, take it to that next level and, and know as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And I'm encouraging people, because I'm from the hood. You know, my family was on crack heroin and all this stuff. The point is, like, I gained this knowledge by... Um, working and building with other cultures. And I'm trying to tell young black kids, like, get out the hood. I'm trying to tell young right. white kids, get out of the wealthy areas. Look, because when the Fuji's got money, that exposed me to another world. And I was like, oh, I didn't even know. And these kids, I'm talking about, I'm in middle school at this time. I'm, I'm meeting kids that were so advanced. And I was kind of confused. Like, how do you know more than me, but you're younger than me? And then I was like, I need to be around. This is South of River, New Jersey, North Caldwell, New Jersey. I, was like, I need to be around the wealthy people so I could learn this stuff. And then their families would teach me stuff. Then I would bring it back to the hood, but it would be hard to explain to that kid who, you know, all he sees is a drug dealer making money. He didn't really understand that, like, um, like like licensing, like, right. like Hello Kitty is worth four point six billion dollars just off of licensing. They don't even make product. It was like stuff like that. I was like, well, and and then and then I look crazy. I look like Dave Chappelle giving back fifty million dollars, you know, because because they're looking at me like, yo, you talking all this extra stuff, you know? They would say rich people stuff. Anyway, well, Vanessa, let me ask you as, as the president, not at all. Um, fifty five percent of uh, both Facebook and Twitter users are women. Women dominate the professional workplace. Fifty six percent tech world still a total boys club. As you know, uh, women executives at Fortune 500 companies are only 11%. 6% of tech startup owners are women. Women hold only tw one out of four IT jobs. Um, and 50% of women believe the companies don't aggressively address diversity issues. 82% of men do. What would you like to see your company do for young women? And what are your hopes for the future of, uh, of this company as a young female president? Right. Yeah, I mean, I hope that... 
in the long run um i think a lot of the times when people think about tech companies they um they think of women coding and which is great i do think that there is a section that you know is not touched as much as there is by men Mm -hmm. but i think just because you're in a tech company doesn't mean you're coding right for example us like neither of us know how to code at all but just i think my presence my presence within the company does drive um a certain direction i think there's many differences between personalities between men and women and i do think that i do bring uh a diversity between direction at times i think and don't get me wrong like there are what's the barbara corcoran right yeah just as far as shark tank yeah yeah and it's just like there's all these women that go into companies and they're scared to voice their opinions and a lot of the times when women say no it's like you know it's 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 an introduction for men to teach you i'm sorry not teach you I'm getting a little caught up. No, in my it's words. seen by men as an introduction to teach when in reality, it's just more of the same. Show. Yeah, it's not seen as a period. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, I'm just trying to put my foot down and show people that we could be in the industry and it doesn't have to be in the traditional realm that people see it as like, oh, OK, like you're, you're coding or you're doing that. Like, no, there's an executive position that could be filled by women or of other people of color. Or in anything in that realm in general. So, Alistair, let me bring it back to you then. As as an artist, what was it that made you want to sign with Sowebudi? And, and where would you like to see um, this partnership going for you uh, personally as a creator? Well, it's already... Excuse me. It's already moving pretty quickly. And also, the relationship was organic. Like, we... I was... I've been... We've kind of been operating under that uh, guise before Sowebudi even existed. So, it's just kind of continuing the organic thing and doing it with someone I trust naturally. So being a multi, you know, disciplinary artist, having to go through galleries for shows or through publishers for book deals and stuff and other things for music, being that I'm all over there. Um, yeah, it was natural and stuff. And uh, moving forward, it's just gonna it's gonna be better because we're creating like a, a stronger group that we all feed off each other's energy as well. And I trust this man, you know, and uh, Vanessa and everyone else that's involved, so. Yeah, it's quite. It's just natural, really. Uh, they out for freedom, which is like that's the main thing that uh, I think me and a lot. So I could speak for many artists I know and that I don't know. Like freedom, intellectually, financially, and in any way, freedom as an artist. That's what an artist is. So, so then let me turn it back to you for the end, Scott. Sorry. I mean, you are the mogul here. Companies are obviously competing for airtime. Podcast revenue in America was over seven hundred million this last year. Oh, I didn't know that. Where do you want to see the company going and and, and what kind of artists um, are you looking for? And Look, our goal is just to um, give, we want to take less and give you much more, unlike Viacom and all these big corporations. And uh, we want artists to fight for what's theirs because it, without them, the corporations wouldn't exist. And it is what it is, you know. Um, we shouldn't be having all these, I know this sounds like some Tupac stuff, we shouldn't be having all these billion dollar companies and then we're all in poverty, especially the ones who, who made these companies the billion dollars that they are. If you create a SpongeBob, I mean, I don't know his his contract, but, you know, it just you just deserve a lot more. And, and that's what we're fighting for. How, how do we help all cultures, all genres get what they deserve because we all have contributed in different formats. Where can uh, people or aspiring artists go to learn more about Sowebwitty? Sowebwittymedia.com, so it's C-E-W-E-B-I-T-Y. 
C-E-W-E-B-I-T-Y, celebritymedia.com, and I'm Scott at celebrity.com, my email. It's a pleasure to meet you all. Our friend Jameson has been boss, talking man. about the organization so much, and so I was really, really curious. And, you know, as somebody who, when I first started out uh, as a young comedian, I had nothing like this. I mean, I just had to trust agents from William Morris who came to my shows and believe everything they told me. So it's really, really amazing to see Definitely how the, comedians. the, the field is more. totally changing. Do you take comedians? Yeah, you, we, we work comedians? with everybody. Right so on. you just say, this is my art. And we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. <laughs> we're going to make it make sense. The company is so Webwoody. Uh, I look forward to seeing how your uh, enterprise evolves. Thank you, boss. Really Thank stuff. you for, Thank you for giving a lot of artists Thank hope. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, and the team.